Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, we're going to jump into this real quick because I actually feel that uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who are three in one with God, Okay, Uh, they all want to work in tandem tonight. They all want to work in tandem. That's how they work. When Jesus is getting talked about, the Holy Spirit's like, let me in on that action. Let me me do my thing. Let me lead people to Jesus. Let me stir their hearts. Let me unleash the power and do miracles in people's life. And uh, when the Holy Spirit's moving, Jesus is happy and applauding because when the Holy Spirit moves, it points people back to Jesus. And Jesus says, I want to introduce you to the Heavenly Father because I am the firstborn only firstborn son, you can be adopted into the family. He's your father in the sense, he's the father of every person because he's the creator, but you're only adopted in the family by what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Okay. We're going to hit the basics. The title of my message is The Basics. It's funny that when we talk about Jesus, that's where the basics can sometimes get the most pushback. When we first moved here, I'll tell you a quick story. When we first moved here, we obviously prayed, me and my wife, God is our call to Salt Lake because we're not a, a you know, halfway in kind of people. If, if, we're, if God's called us here, we're gonna burn the ships, sell our businesses, and uh, I'm prepared. When we moved here, I was prepared to be buried here. That's, a, that's just my, my heart. What God wants to do, I'm always going to be obedient. But I, I'm like, I'm fully good. I die a Utah, good, good for me, Lord. Thank you. Right? And so, but when we moved here, we were at a hotel, and God was really speaking to both me and my wife a lot in that preparation for coming here. And uh, we, at certain points, he would expose us to a heaviness that we felt was geographic. It was on here. In fact, when we first drove into the state, it was just really weird, but there's the mountain range in between Nevada and Utah, and it was just the way the sun blocked, but it also felt very prophetic. It was bright and pretty sunset, and the second we crossed the mountains, it said, welcome to Utah, the mountains blocked the sun, and it was like, we both stopped, like, whoa, it just got dark all of a sudden. Yeah. And as we've lived here a couple years, I'm, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. It is a, a spirit of religion. The spirit of religion is, is a nasty one. It's a nasty one. It's so nasty that it was the main spirit that, dis, that wanted to crucify Jesus. That's why he was really cool to most people. But if you were a Pharisee or a Sadducee, he didn't, he didn't talk too nice. He wasn't like the, you know, woke, never offend Jesus. He was like the pretty offensive, calling him brood of snakes, whitewashed tomb, sons of Satan, like... <laughs> He was pretty, he didn't hold back, you know, like he, and, and, (laughs) and there were three things Jesus was put on trial for, three things that he was put on trial for. And I want to, I want to hit real quick, each one of those things. The first thing he was put on trial for was that he said he was God. 
He said he was God. Is that in the Bible? Oh, I'm glad you asked. All right. So let's start with John 10, 30. We got that, guys? John 10, 30. Coming. There we go. I and my Father are one. Okay, well, oh, what does that just mean? Like, you know, we're, we're vibing the same. We have the same vibe. Like, we, we, we see things the same way. Uh, I, our high schoolers are in here, right? I don't know. I'm picking up your guys' vibe. I feel like my... My language is younger, younger, younger. All right, uh, so Jesus said, I and my father are one. They're not separate. Now, we can't fully understand the, the doctrine of the Trinity, but even going back to Genesis, when God is talking to himself and it's being recorded, he said, let us make man in our image. Now, the Bible also says that there's only one God. But he uses the plural in the conversation. Why? Because God existed three in one, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, which is the Son of God, and the Father. So they are three and they are one. Okay? We are not the same as the Trinity. Okay, so God, Jesus was on trial because he said, I'm God. We're going to go to another scripture because... Like I said, you could just read that and well, I have an interpretation like this. Let's go to John 13, 19 through 20. This is Jesus talking to, um, to the Pharisees again. Now I tell you before it comes that when it, does not, when, it, when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Right here, he gets in a lot of trouble because he uses the Hebrew from Exodus 3.14, when Moses meets God at the burning bush, and he says, who should I tell him you are? And he said, I am who I am. His name, Yahweh, I am. Jesus says that exact word, which at this point, the Pharisees pick up rocks and want to stone him. That is illegal at this time. Illegal. So if you were Jewish... You knew exactly what he was implying. He said, I am. Okay? Mostly I say to you that he who receives whoever I sin receives me. And who, who, so Jesus is saying, if you receive my, my message from my messengers, you receive me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. God. Finally, this little like, we'll, we'll go full sin right here. John 8, 58 and 59. He's getting confronted again by the people he's really not fond of, which are the Pharisees and the religious people. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Check out their response just real quick. Go to 59. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. He was really good at that, by the way. He had ninja moves. But immediately... Every, even, even the non-Pharisees are like, whoa, bro, too, too, too far, too far. You are saying you are God incarnate. You are calling yourself God. So they all grab stones and they're gonna kill him. That religious spirit likes to throw stones, just so you know. That's its, that's its favorite thing to do, is people are getting touched by God, blessed by God, having miracle stories, getting healings, getting promotions at work, and the religious spirit's like, how dare they? How, how dare they expect anything good from God? And how, how dare they be blessed? Anyways, I, I like pushing on that one. That one likes to jump on people here. So 
He said he is God. He is God. Now, so much so that he went on trial for this. Now, I want to say this real quick. The trial, to me, is kind of like the world saying, what's the verdict? Because you're saying crazy things. You're saying that you're God, and you're saying that people can be forgiven for their sins. And so the, the trial was, is what you're saying true? The cross was the payment. The fact that the grave is empty shows that he was telling the truth. That's the simplicity of the gospel. The cross doesn't have a whole lot of meaning if he didn't get out of the grave. But because he got out of the grave, all his, all his statements, all the things he said, he then proved it by getting up out of that grave. And you say, well, I wasn't there. Okay, yeah, but for 2,000 years, the entire world's been turned upside down by by a, a word from 12, well, 11, one of them messed up, but 11 guys who said they were there and were all willing to die to do it and the miracles kept happening. The power kept moving. It's a really easy squash if you're back in Roman days and the, these 11 crazy guys who were following this guy that you just killed said, he's alive! You know what the Romans do? Hold up, move the rock. No, here's the body, he's not. They could have squashed it like that. They couldn't squash it. They tried to squash it. The Pharisees tried to squash it. The most powerful empire in the world, the Romans tried to squash it. It couldn't be squashed because the power of God was on the move. Because Jesus wasn't in that grave. He was alive and well and began to build his bride, the church, which is us. He's God. He's fully God. Okay, he's not a role model. Uh, many, uh, the, the late Billy Graham, probably the most prolific evangelist of the 1900s, said he was either a hoax, a liar, or he was holy, or he was God. Uh, there's another, Lee Strobel says he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Yeah. Listen, you cannot take Jesus for any of anything else. He's not a guru that taught us to all love and hug more and, you know, use hugs, not drugs, whatever. Like it wasn't, he's not a bumper slogan. He wasn't, wasn't here just to give us all these things to put on our bumper stickers. He was the king of peace. But he also said that his kingdom is, is the violent take it by force. So he, he, he came and he said audacious things. If I came up to you right now and I said, hey, church, just want to welcome you. I had a new revelation yesterday. I'm God. You guys should get out of here <laughs> very quickly. Okay? Or else... I better prove it. And that's even offensive to say, right? But Jesus came in onto earth and said that. And so it's actually offensive to take him for anything less than a liar, lunatic, or Lord. And God asks us to decide that question. Say, well, I'm agnostic. I don't want to make a decision. Well, you got to. <laughs> because it's real important. You got to settle the matter. He loves you. He brought you here tonight if you're an agnostic. He brought you here tonight because he wants to settle the matter with you. Because if he is God, then what he said really matters. And if he's a lunatic, you probably shouldn't be hanging out here. And so he, he was very, he didn't leave a gray area. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. That's good. He's God. He's God. And we are invited as his prized creation mankind to step back into our original relationship that we were supposed to have with him 
that he would be our heavenly father and we would be in eternity with him, getting to be exposed to his love and his goodness and his grace. And we were meant on earth to have dominion over this earth, to be fruitful, to multiply. Go back to Genesis 1. That, that's, the, that's the whole thing. Any, anything else is just, it's against the Bible. Okay, we're not gonna be God one day. We're not. The devil, when he came to Adam and Eve, his very first thing was, hey, you can be like God. That was literally the start of the problem. That we didn't, we were already in with God. We were already perfectly and wonderfully made. We already had this beautiful earth that we were gonna expand the garden and live forever in paradise with him. That was original intent. God's gonna bring that full circle and restore that. You say, well, then why did he put the tree in there? It's a really good question. I don't know why I'm going off on this, but, uh, but it is, it's fair, it's fair, it's fair. I've thought it. Because he doesn't want robots, which is exactly what religion tries to do. You gotta dress a certain way, you gotta do things a certain way, you gotta talk a certain way, you gotta do these things and conform and get in a box. And if you fit in the box on the outside, then you're good enough. But that's not who God is. So he made beings with the capacity to choose him. He made beings with the capacity to reject him. People say, if there's a loving God, why would he send people to hell? He doesn't. He allows you to choose to go there. He allows you to choose. I don't want to have anything to do with you, God. And he says, okay, well, in the absence of me, I am love. I am light. I am peace. I am joy. I'm the source of all these things. And so in the pure absence of me, in the pure absence of me, all you're left with is darkness and torment. It's, it's, it's not, it's because that only comes from God. And a lot of us, are reaping the, uh, and I'm saying this because also as believers, we need to be well equipped to love people, but also realize like, you know, people are, are <laughs> people are out saying crazy things and doing crazy things. They're enjoying the blessings of a nation that said, we're gonna try this whole thing to be one nation under God. We're not gonna get it perfect, but we're gonna give this a go. And we're gonna try for uh, not having a dictator, but we're gonna try for freedom because Christ said it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And so we're in this experiment. And in that freedom, people are blaspheming and rebelling against God saying, I don't need you, look how good things are. Yeah, he gave you that. You're still in the parameters. But when we choose, I don't want God or I will be my own God. God did not make a robot. The most powerful thing he gave you is your free will. And although he will fight for you, he will fight to get your attention. He will not violate it. He will not violate it. Anyways, that's good enough. Thank you, Pastor Matt. All right. He's God. He's also a healer. So when God wanted to show up and tell the world, I'm here to save you. He could have done a lot of things. You know, he could have like, I mean, he did some pretty cool stuff when he was born, like a choir of angels came to a bunch of shepherds. That was pretty, that was wild, you know, and big star in the sky no one had ever seen, that was wild. There was some miracles, 
But he didn't just, yeah, he didn't just come in and completely blow the roof off of the thing and give you no choice. He came with a message and the message was met with physical healings, emotional healings. When you understand the culture, a lot of the things Jesus did were actually not just healing the physical ailment, but was healing the emotional rejection behind it. Okay, the lady at the well, first he cleared out all the judges and he covered her before he ever told her like, hey, it is true, you got caught in adultery. You, did, you were ruining a family there. But he, he said, I don't condemn you. Get up and you're loved. And you don't need to run into the arms of the first guy who says they like you. You can live a better life. Uh, the woman at the well. Jews don't talk to Samaritans and they definitely don't talk to women. And he, he goes there with her. He says, hey, you, you come here at noon because you're embarrassed. You don't walk with the other girls because you feel so judged. See, Jesus, Jesus came with healing. He's a healer, he, he, and he still heals. He still heals. I'm telling you, we've seen like some amazing things at men's prayer. Uh, where's Lilo at? You in here, Lilo? There's my boy Lilo. He's usually at men's prayer. One Tuesday wasn't, last Tuesday, right? Or two Tuesdays ago. Right. But he knows who to text. Who are you gonna call? Men's prayer, okay? <laughs> he says, my brother's in the hospital. And so what do the guys do? What do the 40 guys do? We say, well, let's go. We're going to pray for Lilo's brother. Doctors were saying he ain't going to leave this place. Is he better? Is he getting better? He's out of the hospital. Last Tuesday, we started praying for a leader up in, uh, at our Boise campus who just got told from the doctors, you're going to die. You're, you, it, I mean riddled and yeah with cancer you know and, and I, I this person's a friend of mine very dear to my heart and I could have been if that's Jesus tell him we're gonna do an altar call in a minute he's calling and we're, we're working out we're in emotion but I just I don't my, my boys don't even know this but for those of you in men's prayer you know we prayed this Tuesday and I just got word that his health has suddenly turned around and he's probably gonna leave the hospital and go have Thanksgiving with his family. Come on, we thank God. He's a healer. He's still a healer. Well, I prayed one time, I didn't get healed. I don't have an answer for all the times I don't, but I sure as heck love it when I see that it does happen. Well, what if I pray for somebody and don't get healed? Okay, well, they're the same they were the other day. But what if they get healed? The upside's really great and the downside is very minimal because nothing changed. He's a healer. It's his nature. I love, I love uh, the leper. By the way, just the leper coming to him was already, he was taking a risk. He had faith because he was considered unclean. He wasn't even supposed to be in town. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you're willing you could clean, make me clean and heal me. And Jesus, fire in his eyes. I am willing. That's who I am. 
Says, it says in the Bible that if they wrote down every miracle he did in the three years of his ministry, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. This wasn't a one-off. You just got some ones that were highlighted because they stuck out to the disciples, but he was going around healing nonstop. And that is still the job of the bride of Christ, the church, to learn how to operate in the power of God, to love people. We're a hospital for the sick and the sinner. And that brings me to my last point, and this one's my favorite. You gotta know this about Jesus. He's a friend of sinners. <sighs> Why when we misrepresent him, it breaks my heart? It's because he has, he has a way he wants you to live, but not religious. It's not change the outside so that you look the same as us. It's let me in the inside. Let me in the inside. Matthew 5, 30 through 32 says this, and the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, Jesus' disciples, saying, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. And I love, uh, it says, and I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Another version, because the way he articulates the righteous here, he's saying, I didn't come for those who think they're righteous. I came for those who know they're not, who know they need a savior, who know they need help. He's a friend to sinners. And so many people won't come to church because they're worried they'll be judged. And the way we break that down is as Christians, we be honest and real and we stop talking about all, the, all of our personal highlight reel and we talk about Jesus's highlight reel and our dumpster fire that he took and started to fix. People, you will see people come to Jesus in droves if you can get healed enough from your past that instead of your past being something that makes you feel disqualified, your past is the thing that you help people see how good Jesus is. And you're so quick. You're so quick. Bro, you think that's bad? I was way worse. Come on. Oh, you don't believe me? Let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you. Prostitutes ran into the room and wanted to be around Jesus. Liars and drunkards. And somehow, and yet, he's the one guy that you would be worried about being judged because he had no ish. He had it together. But they could see. He doesn't look at me. Judgmental. What is different? And I'm telling you, as Christians... When we, when we realize 
that we came to Jesus, not on our own merit, not because we finally got our act together. We came to Jesus broken, not deserving of it. It's such a weird tension to live in because once we're sons, the Bible says now we go boldly into the throne room of grace. I know I'm a son of God. I know I'm loved. I do have confidence. I will go in. I can go into situations with confidence. But at the drop of a hat, if you ask me, where's that come from? I say, man, it comes from the fact that I know me and I do not have without Jesus anything of redeeming value. I was a dumpster fire and he came in and he started to change me. And, and we got, yeah, thank you. We got a hold to that. See, God, God resists the proud, Bible says, but he raises up the humble. He's a friend of sinners. You got a family member right now that doesn't know Jesus or is far from Jesus, maybe you're in here and you don't know Jesus. You need to know that Jesus is so ready to get in there. He loves that person. He fiercely loves them. And when people see that, I'm telling you, I, I've been in ministry long enough to know the people that feel the least disqualified when the gospel is presented are the ones who know, oh man, this is real. And I just want us to, he's a, good, he's a good father. He's a good God. He is still the healer. But he's a friend of sinners. And you know what I find? He'll do miracles for people that don't know him yet. And we think he's saving it. He does miracles. It's who he is. He does miracles for his kids. He does miracles for the ones on the, soon to be list. He does miracles for people that don't even know where it came from. The man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus comes up, knows because the Holy Spirit tells him he's been there for 38 years, hasn't got a healing. Jesus walks up, you want to be healed? He says, yes, I would love, you know, gives an excuse, but then Jesus says, do you want to be well? He said, yes. So he says, get up your mat and walk and he heals him. And the guy is walking with his mat and he's like, woo, I'm good, I'm better. And of course, religious people Pharisees start yelling from the cross street, hey, you can't carry your mat, it's Sabbath. Okay, first thing, how's that work? Like, it's more work to leave your mat and have to go back and get it the next day, but whatever. You know, they're getting all critical. And he goes, the guy who healed me said to pick it up. And since I'm walking and it's been 38 years, I'm gonna keep doing exactly what he said. Because I've been listening to your rules and I haven't changed on the inside. I'm just better at hiding it now, and I can talk religious, so I'm even worse because now I don't even get caught for the messed up things I have going on in my life. So I am gonna carry this mat until I hear otherwise, because this is happening. And then they go, well, who told you? And he's like, I don't even know. He literally said, he's like, I, I don't know who that guy was, but Till further notice, I'm carrying this mat. He <laughs> walks away. Here's the cool thing. If you read the story, Jesus, you know, he's so ninja-like. He heals him, tells him to walk on the Sabbath. I think just to tick off the Pharisees again because he really doesn't like religion. And he says, God, go. He looks over, he says, hey, take the mat and walk. 
And then he just does his ninja thing and disappears. And so the guy looked back, he's like, okay. But then all of a sudden, so he ditches the Pharisees, he's walking, whistling, he's like, I can't believe I'm walking, this is great. And Jesus pops out, hiya! Hey, it's me, I'm Jesus. And he actually says, he says, listen, what I wanted to tell you is that don't, don't keep doing the sin that you were in before. He actually addresses the issue. He says, that sin, it's toxic. Don't do that anymore. And you're, you're healed because I'm Jesus. See, Jesus likes to do miracles people don't know, but he also really likes to come back and tell them, I did that. Drives me crazy sometimes when people are like, I prayed for someone at the grocery store or God told me to buy their groceries and they were blessed and they cried and they hugged me. And I mean, that's great. I'm very happy. But I'm like, one, did you tell them you're a believer in Jesus? Two, did you invite them to church? I've I've been guilty of that because I'm just so excited that it's like, wow, they're hugging me. This really impacted them. And then I, you know, you shut down. You're like, I don't know what to do. But, But train yourself. When you're gonna do something nice for someone, when you're gonna tip your waitress 200% or whatever, hey, just so you know, are you gonna pray for someone? God says, just so you know, I'm a believer in Jesus. So I'm gonna do this right now. Now, if you're not gonna tip them, don't tell them that you're a believer, okay? <laughs> Seriously. I was a waiter for too long. Just let it lie. Let it lie. Go to church, figure it out. But when you bless people, let them know, hey, Jesus, and then also, also, and if you ever would like to, I'd love to invite you to my church. It's where I learned how to do this. It's where I learned how to pray for people. It's where I learned to be generous. It's where I learned. Why? Because Jesus wants to show them who he is. And it's in his house. He works in the family. So he calls you the bride of Christ. This is like a big dinner table we set up for the friends of Jesus. Can I just say, church, for those of you who are in the family, let's be the most welcoming, loving, encouraging house in this valley that if someone comes in, someone comes in smelling like the world, broken, terrified that they're gonna get struck by lightning. They're like, oh, if God is real, I'm screwed. You know, like... There are people that come into church like that. Let's enthrall them with, you know, Jesus is a friend of you. He's into you. He likes you. He likes what you do. He's a friend. Come on, let's stand to our feet. He's God. He's the healer. And he's a friend of sinners. People are more open to being invited to the church and to church things this time of year than any other time of year for many reasons. Some of them, they're just realizing the year's ending and they're going, wow, I had a lot of vision for this year and that didn't happen and I'm sad. So they're looking like, what could make me not sad? Some people, family's coming up and family's just a cesspool of reminders of the trauma that they went through. Some people don't realize it, but... Half of the songs you listen to in the mall this time of year are praise songs. You know, oh, holy night. Like, like that's why I love it. Don't poo-poo on the Christmas stuff. We get to smuggle in worship. 
See, these YouTube pastors, you know, Christmas wasn't even his real birthday, and it was actually a pagan holiday. Shut up! We're playing worship music in the mall! Shut up! Oh! Oh! As bad as Pharisees and Sadducees are, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees on YouTube, just be careful. They've never, shepherds should smell like sheep. Your podcast does not make you smell like sheep. It's when you hold somebody in your home who thinks their marriage is gonna fall apart and you pray with them and you fight with them. It's when you pray with people that are repenting of their sins. Half the things people are arguing about on, on social media about Christian doctrine are pointless. They don't help anyone. We'll figure out a lot of that stuff in heaven. Is Jesus gonna rapture us before, mid, or after? Who cares? Is he coming back tomorrow? To be honest, when I see people post, man, I'm going on rant, but I just gotta get, uh, when I see people post, oh, the world's so bad, please, Jesus, come home. I'm like, what? What? I do want him to come home. But man, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that Jesus wants to be friends with that don't know him yet. I'm like, Jesus, give me one more day. Give me one more day. God just wants to do a revolution, a revolution in this valley. And you know what? Don't get intimidated. The beautiful thing is that light shines the brightest in the darkness. If we live in a religious atmosphere, the real thing is so clear. Whoa, they are happy. Whoa, they are not a robot. Whoa, they really love God. It shines so bright. I feel spoiled. I'm like, God, this is great. It's great. He wants to use you. Okay. So real quick, we're in, we're, now I feel the Holy Spirit in here. I, I mean, I felt him before, but I just, I know he wants to move. He's still a God that heals. I believe one thing he wants to eradicate tonight is depression. If you're on, you can take that, yeah. If you're on depression medication, at the end of service when our ministry's up here, I want you to come get prayer. And I wanna give you homework. Get prayer and start to put on the garment of praise. Make it, make it for the next, you know how we have like a, was it No Shave November or whatever? We didn't do it this year, but Movember. Make December, nothing plays in my car but praise. If you struggle with depression. Make, try a 30-day sabbatical. Try a 30-day fast from social media. Goodness. If you struggle with depression. But God's gonna heal. But then he also wants you to say, start to get the triggers out. You can get healed from the, the chemical imbalance tonight. But listen, I don't, I don't have a chemical imbalance, but I know if I'm on Instagram for too long, I start to feel sad and it's just normal. But anyways, for God wants to heal depression tonight. He wants to heal anxiety tonight. And I believe he wants to do a mighty work in family members that don't know Jesus. Your prayers are powerful and effective. And I believe that this 
season we're heading into, this Christmas season, you're gonna see God's divine hand step in for those family members that you have just wished for so long would know Jesus and any other miracle you want healing for. But before we do that, some people here today, you're like, oh my goodness, I want that Jesus guy. I want the guy that tells you to pick up your mat and says stuff it to the religious people and shows us, actually changes us from the inside out. I want to know that Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I feel so far from God. I haven't felt close to God in forever. I want to come back to Jesus. He's here tonight. And friend, he's a, if you say, well, I'm pretty jacked up. Good, you're his favorite. He likes those kind of people because you're not coming to him with pride. Bible says in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Not a single one of us skirted by on our efforts. God went, hey, good enough, come on in. No, we all had to go to Jesus and say, I know I'm not worthy of it. But you said that you would trade my mess for your goodness and that's why you went to that cross because you're the atonement, the Bible says, which means an exchange. He takes your sin and it gets dealt with. So when the devil says, ah, they can't come into heaven, look at this. And, it, and then Jesus says, look at what? Dang it. The record's been wiped clean. Because he's holding up, says, bill's been paid. Double jeopardy, you can't be tried for the same tri crime twice. That crime already went on trial on the cross. It got paid for. Things you did before this, before tonight, they were paid for on the cross. But you gotta take the receipt. You gotta accept the relationship. Romans says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, you're saved. And that means your, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It means heaven is your eternal home because the bill was paid. And then it also means that he'll now come into your life, begin to be the Lord of your life, you will begin to want the things of God in your life. You will begin to change from the inside out and you'll get to see his plans for your life, your life before heaven begin to unfold. So heads bowed, eyes closed real quick. If you're far from God and you need to come back to God or you've never known Jesus, He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And so if you need to give your heart to Jesus, and friend, like I said, I'll lead you in a prayer, but I just want to give you that opportunity. Go into Thanksgiving with the greatest thing to be thankful for in your whole life. You're forgiven, you're washed clean, and heaven's your home. If that's you and you need to get right with Jesus, while everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, just real quick, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand in the air. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. All right, one, two, three. If that's you, go ahead and put your hand there. Thank you, I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you, I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you, I see your hand.
feel like there's one other person you're just wrestling with God right now. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just telling you, he wants you. What you did is not bigger than what he did on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Okay, you guys can all look up at me. Yeah, let's give a hand for those people. So for the couple of you that put your hand up, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna, we're gonna pray this prayer together, but I'm gonna ask you to come forward with our ministry team. Uh, with the other people that are going to be getting prayer. Tell me, raise your hand. Let us pray with you in person too. And let us get you plugged in and get you, we want to give you a gift, okay? So there'll be other people up here. But real quick, if you prayed, if you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, I wanted you to repeat this prayer after me and everyone's going to do it so you don't feel alone. But mean it from your heart and watch God come in. Dear Jesus, tonight I give my life to you. I repent of my sins. And I thank you that you forgive them on that cross. Thank you that heaven is my home and that I belong to you now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Create in me what you have planned. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.